بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونستهدي ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا محمدا عبده ورسوله اللهم إنا نسألك العفو والعافية والمعافاة الدائمة في الدارين يا رب العالمين رب الشرح لصدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لسان يفقه قولي أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Alhamdulillah, this feels like a Fard Ayn class. So you ready for module 12? All right. So this is a new series. And tonight's class will probably be a bit shorter than normal, simply because we're introducing the subject. And the title of this new program we're doing is Knowing Allah Through His 99 Names. And this program is not, in case you're wondering, going to take 99 weeks. Because we're not going to look at one divine name each week. On some weeks, we'll look at one name. Some weeks, we may spend two weeks on a single name. But the majority of the weeks will consist of explaining two, sometimes even three names of the 99 names. So it's my estimation that we're, we're now in December. We should finish by next December. So, and that's without rushing. It's just going through the order. And tonight's class is just an introduction to this topic of knowing Allah through his 99 names. Now, if you've attended these programs in the past, you'll know that in the first class, I really like to set the foundation for what exactly we're going to be learning. And tonight is no different. Attempting to know, to have a knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through knowing his 99 names is actually one of the greatest things a person can do. It is the loftiest pursuit. In fact, one of the books that was written in the classical period explaining the meanings of the 99 names was given that exact title, the loftiest aim, al-maqsad al-asna fi sharhi asma'i al-husna. Uh, by Imam al-Ghazali, the loftiest aim. And one of the things that the ulama mention whenever they introduce a subject, whether it is grammar or fiqh or hadith or theology, whatever it may be, they introduce the topic and mention that sharaful ilmi bi sharafil ma'lum, the nobility of the thing you are studying is related to the nobility of what you learn through it. So when you study 
the science of fiqh, jurisprudence. That is a noble science because in studying law, you arrive at knowledge of the ahkam, the rulings of Allah Ta'ala. And that's a noble pursuit. So studying fiqh is noble because it takes you to somewhere noble, which is knowledge of Allah's rulings. When you study the hadith of the Prophet wasallam, that is a noble pursuit. Because what is the ma'loom? The ma'loom, the object of that study, concerns the words and the actions and the approvals and the behaviors of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And that's noble. So the pursuit is noble. When you study tafsir, the commentary, the exegesis on the Qur'an, that is noble because the object of that knowledge is the understanding of the meanings of Allah's words. So that knowledge is sharif, it's noble. So if we say that about law, and about hadith, and about tafsir, what about the studying the meanings of Asma'ullah al-Husna, the beautiful names of Allah? It is one of the noblest endeavors a person can pursue. And I believe every person should at least once in their life either go through a book from cover to cover that explains the meanings of the divine names, or take a class like this. Because that means that once they have a basic understanding of these meanings, they hear the Qur'an and they remember these meanings. And when they understand the meanings of the names, they also see the effects of the names in creation and around them, as we'll explain tonight, inshaAllah ta'ala. So remember that this program, this class, is pursuing the noblest endeavor which is attempting to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now in knowing Allah ta'ala, ma'rifatullah, we are of course starting on the level of the mind, where we seek to understand the meanings of words. Words that are in Arabic, words that have multiple meanings and implications. So we are engaging the mind at the beginning of this journey. But as you seek to go deeper and deeper in reflecting on the meanings and invoking Allah with those names and witnessing the effects of those names in creation around you, you go from the mind to the heart. You go from the intellectual knowledge to the experiential knowledge. And we'll be touching on that in each of the sessions, inshaAllah ta'ala. So tonight's just an introduction. Uh, as we mentioned, this is one of the, no the, the noblest of pursuits. It is an act of worship to seek to understand the meanings of Allah's names. In fact, it is a fulfillment of a divine command because Allah commands us by saying, فَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ He gives a command to know that there is no God other than Allah. So when you, you try to understand the meanings of Allah's names, you're trying to get to know your Creator better, you are fulfilling this act of worship, this command of Allah Ta'ala. 
And by learning the meanings of the 99 names, we are also fulfilling our purpose of existence. Imagine you have millions of people who don't know their purpose of existence. They don't know why they're here. But a Muslim should know their purpose of existence. What is the purpose of existence? Why did Allah Ta'ala create us? We didn't have to exist. But Allah gave us existence and we exist. Here we are. Why? What is the purpose behind that? Allah Ta'ala tells us that in the Qur'an. In Surah Al-Dhariyat, He tells us, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا Who can finish the verse? I have not created jinn or mankind except to worship me. Can you worship something you don't know? You can't. You can't. You cannot worship something you don't know. And therefore, to understand the meanings of the divine names is to fulfill our purpose of existence. And I want to share with you something I've said several times before over the years, uh, and that is the statement of Sayyiduna Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah. He was tarjuman al-Qur'an. He was the masterful interpreter of the Qur'an and he received the dua of the Prophet when he made dua for him, O oh Allah, teach him the interpretation of the book. Sayyiduna Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, he commented about this ayah in Surah Al-Dhariyat. When Allah says, I have not created jinn or mankind except to worship me, illa liya'budun. He commented on this verse and said, liya'budun ay liya'rifun. He says what that means is, I have not created jinn or mankind except to know me. Li'arifun, to know me. So, ibadah is not just the things you do with your body in salat and fasting and these things. The ibadah is also the ibadah of the heart. And the ibadah of the heart is ma'rifah, it is having intimate knowledge of Allah. It is shuhud, it is, it's other things as well. So it ties into our purpose of existence, knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is one of the things that we fulfill when we try to learn and deeper, have a deeper understanding of the meanings of these divine names. Also by learning the 99 names of Allah ta'ala, we are better able to reflect on the manifestations of his names. And I'm going to put a placeholder on that right now because we're going to revisit this and explain what that means. Because we see the effects of the divine names in ourselves and in existence. And we're not talking about pantheism or union or indwelling. We don't mean that. What we mean is something else, something very different, as you'll see. Let's start with just the physical form. When Imam al-Ghazali talks about the name al-Musawwir, the fashioner, the shaper, the one who gives form, he reflects on the construction of the human body. 
he reflects on the mastery of the human form and why things are placed where they are. So when you think about this divine name, Al-Musawwir, you actually see the reflection of the effect of that name in everything around you and in yourself. Because Allah is the one who created you and the one who gave you shape. Allahu ladhi khalaqakum. Right? It is Allah who created you and then who gave you form. So al-musawwir, we see its effects manifested all around us. Likewise, you think about your food, you think about your drink, you think about your livelihood, you think about all of the things that you need to sustain life. Those are all the effects of the divine name al-razaq. Right? When you think about your sins and your mistakes and shortcomings and you're starting to feel broken, you think about the name Al-Ghaffar, the forgiver, the oft-forgiving, and how Allah covers those sins, how Allah conceals those sins and forgives those sins. So seeking forgiveness and being forgiven, those are all the effects of the divine name, Al-Ghaffar, the oft-forgiving. And you could go on and on, right? If Allah gives you honor and success, that is the effect of his name, Ar-Rafi'ah, the one who elevates. If a person is suffering from a heartbreak, if they're feeling sad and dejected, and then Allah mends that broken heart, that is the effect of his name, Al-Jabbar, as we'll see later on, inshaAllah. Because one of the meanings of Jabbar is the one who mends what is broken. So these are the effects of the divine names. Their effects manifest all around us, right? So the more you know the meanings of the divine names, the more you know their effects. And the more aware you are of the effects of the divine names and how their effects manifest around us, the more cognizant you will be the more aware you will be, the more you will pay attention to seeing those effects all around you. In everything, not just the shiny, happy things. That poor person, that poor person who is living behind a corner store, addicted to some kind of opiate, who's homeless and struggling and suffering from addiction, you are witnessing in that person the effects of some of Allah's names, as we'll see. We'll look at that in a little more detail later, inshallah. So this is helping us to understand the meanings and see their effects outside of us. So our starting point, when we talk about the divine names of Allah Ta'ala, is found in the words of Allah Ta'ala in Surah Al-A'raf, the seventh chapter of the Qur'an. In this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى فَدْعُوهُ بِهَا وَذَرُوا الَّذِينَ يُلْحِدُونَ فِي أَسْمَائِهِ سَيُجَزَوْنَ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ Allah ta'ala says, to Allah belongs the most beautiful names. So call upon Him by them, and forsake those who abuse his names. They will be punished for what they used to do. There's a lot to unpack in this verse. 
in the beginning of the verse, Allah Ta'ala gives us some information. He informs us, وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى To Allah belongs الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى That phrase, الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى, most Muslims are aware of this phrase, whether they speak Arabic or not. It's one of those Islamic phrases. الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى What does that mean? What is husna? Husna is the plural of ahsan. What does ahsan mean? Who knows? So you have hasan. Hasan means good or beautiful. So what does ahsan mean? Is more beautiful, right? So in Arabic you call this tafdil. It's a superlative noun. If you say fulan kabir wa fulan akbar, you're saying so-and-so is uh, large or big or great and this other person is bigger or greater. So you have Hasan and you have Ahsan. So Husna is the plural of, of, of Ahsan. So what it means, it doesn't mean to Allah belongs beautiful names. It means the most beautiful. In fact, all beauty is because of the divine. And we can explore that later as we get through some of the names and look at the nature of what beauty is. Is beauty purely subjective? Is beauty only in the eye of the beholder? Or is there an objective standard of beauty that is made objective by the divine? We'll get to that later, inshallah. So al-asma' al-husna means the most beautiful Names. He informs us of this and then he mentions the fa, and this is the fa, the cause or the reason, therefore, so, thus, and then he gives us a command. Which means call upon him, invoke him with these names. And this is really important when we learn the meanings of the names because we're learning the meanings so that we can actually make dua calling upon Allah with those names. You have, uh, for example, a person who committed a sin and they want to ask Allah for forgiveness. They can say, Astaghfirullah. But they can also raise their hands and say, Ya Ghaffar. Ya Tawwab, Ya Afu, Ya Satir, different names whose meanings go back to forgiveness and covering sins and pardon. Right? If a person is in need of provision, right? They're looking for work. What name would they invoke with? Ya Razak, Ya Fatah, Ya Wahab, different names that have that meaning. So when you know the meanings, you're better able to apply this verse and actually make dua with those names. Allah is instructing us to do this, right? You could ask, you could say, yeah, Allah provide for me. That's fine. But Allah is telling us that he has the most beautiful names and seeks from us that we understand them so that we call upon him with those names. So that implies a process of learning what these names are. And here we are. So that's the, the, the second part of this verse. Now the next part of the verse, Allah gives another command. He says, 
which means forsake or abandon, leave those who abuse his names. That's one way you could translate it. Al-ilhad fi asma'illah. So the word ilhad in Arabic, in you know everyday Arabic, the word ilhad is synonymous with atheism. That's what ilhad is. But ilhad here means more than that. Ilhad can mean denying these names or giving these divine names to other than Allah, right? Or giving Allah names that are not beautiful names, right? So there's layers of that. So Allah is telling us, invoke Allah with his most beautiful names and leave those who abuse him regarding his names, either by negating or giving him names that are not appropriate, Right? And then Allah Ta'ala concludes by saying, They will be requited or they will be punished for what they used to do. So this is the basis for coming to know the 99 names of Allah Ta'ala. But what do you notice or what do you find in this verse that goes unmentioned? There's nothing in this verse that mentions 99. It doesn't even specify what names. It just says names. Al-Asma' al-Husna. Where does the 99 come from? And that brings us to the hadith of the Prophet The Prophet he encouraged us to learn the 99 names of Allah Ta'ala. So, I want, to, I want us to cover this hadith and then unpack it a little bit. And we start with this narration recorded by Bukhari and Muslim where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in the hadith recorded by Abu Huraira, Inna lillahi tis'atan wa tis'ina isman mi'atan illa wahida man ahsaha dakhala al-jannah. So this hadith says, To Allah belongs 99 names. 100 minus 1. Whosoever enumerates them will enter paradise. So the, the phrase here, man ahsaha, this, is, this requires some commentary. What exactly does it mean to enumerate the 99 names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And before we explain that, we have to clarify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has more than 99 names. The names of Allah are beyond count as far as we are concerned. And we have statements of the Prophet sallallahu showing that he has more than 99 names. We have, for instance, the dua where the Messenger of Allah sallallahu would say, Oh Allah, I ask you, by every name that is yours, uh, what you have named yourself, what you have revealed to any of your creation, and what you have preserved in your knowledge of the unseen. So what this means is there are names that we know that are mentioned in Scripture, there are names 
that he has preserved in his own knowledge that he has not revealed to others? This means that there are more than 99. In fact, if you do istiqara, an inductive reading of the Qur'an and the hadith literature, and look for the divine names and try to enumerate them, go through the entire Qur'an and go through a large number of hadith, the main hadith sources, you actually find more than 99. Uh, one scholar did this and he found about 115. 115. So there's something to be said about that. Why does the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam mention 99 and not 100 and not 115? Why doesn't he mention more? And what is the meaning of this ihsa, this enumeration that he speaks of? So Imam al-Ghazali has, in his commentary on the 99 names, a comment about this. And he says that a possible reason, a possible reason that we, have, we find mention of 99 and not 100 or 115 or more, is that the Prophet ﷺ says that Allah is witr and loves that which is witr. What is witr? Um, odd. So 99 is odd, right? And therefore we are taught 99 instead of 100. So no one should hear this hadith and think that Allah only has 99 names. That is putting a limit. Allah has more. But of the divine names, there are 99 that we should learn, that we should seek out, and do ihsa of. What is this ihsa? The hadith says, Man The one who does ihsa will enter paradise. What is that ihsa? Well, the scholars offer a few different comments about this. And generally, it's combining three things. Ihsa in its basic meaning in Arabic means to enumerate. If you have a bunch of items on a table and you want to count them, this is ihsa. Right? You count them, you get a proper number. So that would mean that you memorize these divine names. So you repeat them frequently enough to where you've memorized them. And there are children who do that. There are adults who do that. They repeat the 99 names until they know them all by heart. That is a part of the ihsa. But that's not it. That's not all. The other part of ihsa, the scholars say, is to also understand them. To understand their meanings and to have firm iman in those names and those meanings. That's a part of ihsa as well. So let's say before coming here, you've all memorized these 99 names as I'm sure some of you have. The second stage would be to understand them on a deeper level. That's a part of the ihsa. After that comes living, meaning living according to the character of Allah's names. This is called at-takhalluq bi-akhlaqillah. That, you know, the meaning, the, the name has a meaning. And that meaning implies a certain quality of character if we take that meaning and we try to live according to that character. So Allah is Al-Ghaffar. 
what quality of character can you develop that has that meaning? Just be forgiving of people, right? You know, let things go. Don't hold grudges. Just forgive them. Ask Allah to forgive them. You know, that's inculcating into your character the meaning of that name, right? It's not about being God. No one says that. That's not what it means. At-takhalluq bi-akhlaqillah means to consciously strive to adopt as your character the akhlaq of Allah, meaning the meanings of these names in terms of how they manifest, forgiving, pardoning, helping people out, and so on. So that would be the third level, and that's obviously the hardest level. It's easy to memorize. It's not that hard to understand either. But this third one, oh, that's a lifetime's work, and I don't think it ever gets completed. So that is what it means to enumerate them. So for memorizing, that's your own individual effort. You have to do it. For understanding, we're here together to, to do that, to take that journey. For living, that's you and your arm getting to work. Right? No one can do that for you. Only you. With Allah's tawfiq. So, there are certain keys. Keys for seeking Allah Ta'ala through these 99 names. Each of the 99 names of Allah Ta'ala teaches us a different flavor, if you will, of servitude, a different flavor of ubudiyah. So when you learn the meaning of ar-Rahman, you, you come to learn what it means to be a proper Abdul-Rahman. When you learn the meaning of Ar-Razaq, you come to learn what it means to be a proper Abdul-Razaq. Allah is one, but He has multiple names because these names reflect all of the divine actions and His beauties and perfections. So, when you come to learn these names, you're also learning more about how to be a better Abdullah. Likewise, when you learn these names, we're going to take a certain approach. Sheikh Ahmed Zarruq, he's not the first one to do it. There's others before him, but his work, I rely on a lot in this. Sheikh Ahmed Zarruq, rahimahullah, the great scholar of Fes, he, in his commentary on the 99 names, gave something really beautiful at the end of each commentary. After explaining each of the divine names, he would give three levels. So you have ta'alluq, takhalluq, and tahakkuq, these three. He says that these are the three levels that we can possibly have with respect to these divine names. So what is the first one? Ta'alluq means connection, but here it means connecting devotionally. Right? How do you connect to that divine name devotionally in your ibadah and in your dua? What, what should the meaning of that name and knowledge of that name bring out of you in your connection to him? Subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's ta'alluq. 
So that's really between you and Allah. The second one is takhalluq, which we just spoke about, the issue of character, which is inculcating the meaning of that name in one's character. So you see, uh, ta'alluq is at the bottom rung, then comes takhalluq, which is a little harder, and then you come to the top rung, which is the hardest, tahakkuq, which is attaining deep experiential realization of the name, where basically you witness the effect of the name in creation. Like what names of Allah Ta'ala manifest, who's, which, which names, effects manifest in a class like this? Think about it. Ar-Rahman, how so? Is from His mercy that we're here. What else? Al-Khaliq, how so? Okay. What else? Al-Alim. Right. Allah is the all-knowing. Or Al-Razaq. Like he gives us opportunities because the risk is not just material, it's also spiritual and knowledge and things like that. So there's different names, right? Their effects manifest in any given moment. So the deeper the realization you have of a name, the more you see its effects around you, right? We don't mean in a pantheistic way, and I have to keep clarifying that. We mean the effect of it, right? The Prophet ﷺ spoke about the rahmah of Allah and mentioned that there is this created rahmah and this created rahmah is in a hundred parts of those hundred parts how many are on the earth one and the remaining 99 are to be distributed and manifested on the day of judgment of that one part how does it manifest he says in the hadith it manifests in the horse that lifts its leg from the fowl, from the baby horse, lest it tramples it. You know, these subtle things by which the mother in the animal kingdom shows mercy to the young. Right? So that's a manifestation of rahmah. It's a created rahmah. But all of that created rahmah is created by ar-Rahman, right? So witnessing that, seeing that, Right, that is that higher level. So when we talk about each of the divine names as we go through this course, we'll conclude with these three things as reflections. Uh, just bear in mind that last one is a very high bar, and I'm not making any claim that I've reached that bar. That's really something to aim for, um, and that comes with takhalluq and ta'alluq, having those two. Now just to explain this, I'll give you some commentary from Ibn Ajiba. Uh, Shaykh Ahmad ibn Ajiba, he has a commentary on the 99 names. He borrows very, very heavily from Shaykh Ahmad Zarruq, quoting him in almost every section. So this is also mentioned by Shaykh Ahmad Zarruq. Who, he says, know that all of Allah's beautiful names are fitting for ta'alluq, takhalluq, wa tahakkuq, connection, cultivation in character, and realization. Now he explains what those mean. Connection 
Ta'alluq is seeking the meaning of that name. Right? Walillahi al-asma'ul husna fad'uhu biha. Right? He says cultivation, ta'alluq is striving in works that will bring about the meaning of that name in one's character. Right? So you strive to forgive people and overlook their faults. And you're taking the meaning of al-ghafar or al-afu and taking that meaning and turning it into a character quality you develop in yourself. Lastly, he says, realization, tahakkuk, is obtaining the reality of that name and having it rooted firmly in the heart so that it is fixed and rarely, if ever, leaves it. Basically, it's like witnessing the effect of the name, the, the, the meaning and the manifestation of its effects around you in the world. You know, you see things all around you, good and bad, beautiful and ugly, things that make you happy and sad, but in all of that, we find the effects of Allah's actions, right? We find the effects of these divine names. Whether it is Al-Khafil, the one who abases, Al-Mudhil, the one who humiliates, or Al-Rafi', the one who elevates, right? Uh, Al-Qabid, the one who causes constriction, or Al-Basit, the one who causes expansion. When you have those experiences in your life, these are the effects, right? Constriction. Yes, I have a slide that explains that. Yeah. So, any before I go on, any questions? Could be a homeless person. It's all, yeah, it's all relative, you know. It could be, what is constricting for someone else is not for someone else, depending on where they are. So we're going to look at that in a slide coming up. Now, we mentioned before, this is drawing from the classical sources. The ulama across history have paid a lot of attention to explaining the meanings of the 99 names. And... Insha'Allah, what I'll be doing is drawing from the, the famous commentaries that are relied upon in this field. And mainly, uh, well, here's the main list we see in the slide of those scholars that I'm taking from. Uh, the great Imam al-Bayhaqi in his work Al-Asma wa Sifat. Abu Ishaq al-Zajaj, who has a very beautiful commentary, one of the earliest commentaries on the 99 names which is very linguistic in, in nature, we're taking from him. Of course, we'll be taking from Imam al-Ghazali, who has one of the best commentaries, Al-Maqsadul Asna, which is translated into English, by the way. Uh, we're also taking from Imam Ibn al-Barrajan, and uh, this is a very complex commentary, drawing from it sometimes when appropriate. We're drawing from Imam al-Qurtubi, who has a very beautiful work on the divine names. But he's not drawing from the list of the 99 names we find in the hadith recorded by 
uh, Ibn Majah and others. He's drawing from also many other different names or suggested names. We also draw from Imam al-Sanusi, who has a very brief work on this, very beautiful, succinct yet beautiful. Imam al-Razi, uh, Sheikh Ahmed Zarruq. Uh, I do draw from him. That's, that's my first go, really. That's the, my, my first, the first one I refer to. I draw a lot from Sheikh Ahmed Zarruq because he synthesizes and condenses what was said in the past and explains it in a really nice way. Also using Ibn Ajiba uh, from time to time and Imam Al-Qushayri. And there's many others who wrote books on this, on this subject, but these are the main ones. And the approach is definitely looking at the linguistic meaning first, looking at the mention of the names in the Qur'an, what has been said about the meanings and how those meanings manifest, and then looking at those three issues of connection, cultivation and character, and realization. Now, among the benefits of learning this, besides fulfilling your purpose of existence and coming to know your Creator, among the benefits is that it's a kind of tafsir of the Qur'an. Imam al-Shafi'i, rahimahullah, he states that the entire Qur'an is a running commentary on the, the 99 names. So one of the beautiful points of tafsir is reflecting on why Allah uses certain divine names after mentioning certain things. So why is it when Allah mentions something about a past event or a particular legal ruling, why does he mention that legal ruling and then says, Inna Allah Azizun Hakim? Why does he say Azizun Hakim, those two names, after mentioning a legal ruling or after mentioning a past event? What is the secret there? What's the connection between the two? That is a really beautiful exploration where you understand the meanings of those names and then look at why they're used in those particular verses. And that's a really wide topic. And the ulama of tafsir explore that. Now these names... Uh, as we try to understand them, we have to, uh, we have to realize it's a journey that never ends. It is بَحْرٌ لَا سَاحِلَ لَهُ It's a, a shoreless ocean. This journey never ends of trying to know our Creator. And that increases in the hereafter. It continues in the hereafter. So, salah as a taklif ends in this world. Fasting as a taklif ends in this world. But knowing Allah on a deeper level continues into the hereafter. And it's constant. That's one of the beauties of Jannah is that it's a constant increase in ma'rifatullah. So we're really starting a journey that doesn't end in this life. It continues on after death. Likewise, by learning the meanings of Allah's 99 names, it helps us better understand the Prophet Muhammad because he is the truest Abdullah, Abdul Rahman, Abdul Razak, Abdul Ghaffar. He is the truest one to take the meanings of those names as a character. And there's entire books that just explore that element, that explore the element or the aspect of how he is a reflection 
of those meanings in his character. In ways that are very obvious and in ways that are not so obvious. And we'll be reflecting on some of those as well, inshallah ta'ala. Now going back to this manifestations, so now we're concluding. I've said a few times the manifestations of the effects of the names. I could just say the manifestations of the names, but I want to make sure I'm clear in my words so no one's thinking anything funny. We don't mean pantheism, ittihad, or hulud. We don't mean that. What we mean is the effects or the implications of those names manifesting in existence. Are, are you created? Of course, we're all created. We're all makhluq. That means we are the object of what action? What divine act? The act of khalq. And Allah is named al-khaliq. Right? So what is the effect, the manifestation of that meaning? It is in the creation. Right? So there's a few examples of this. And these are not from me. This is from someone else. Uh, imagine a person who comes from a good family. And as they get older, they fall into a bad crowd. And they drift away. And as they are drifting away from guidance, they are coming under the effect of the divine name, Al-Khafid, the lower. Right? So the effect of that name is manifesting in their life as they drift away. And let's say they're now out on their own and they're humiliated and they sink deeper and deeper into darkness, maybe addiction or worse. In all of that, they are coming under the effect of Allah's name, Al-Mudhil, the abaser. Mudhil, to humiliate. That's a divine name. But at that person's lowest point, as they're down and out, they remember how they used to be. And they want to improve. They want to get better. And so that person makes tawbah. They repent. And when they make that tawbah, they are under the influence or the effect of the divine name, At-Tawwab, the one who relents. And so they make tawbah, and they improve their life, they beat the addiction, they go and seek good company, and they become a better person. And in all of that, they come under the effect of Allah's name, Ar-Rafi'ah, the one who elevates, the one who raises, as well as Al-Kareem, because Allah has been generous to him in giving him that opportunity. They're under the effect of the divine name Al-Wadud, the solicitous, and so on. So this is what we mean by manifestations. As you learn each of the 99 names, we want to reflect on how those names, how do their effects manifest around us and within us in our own lives. This is what takes the journey from just being something intellectual to something that's actually spiritual that can really connect us to those meanings in our everyday life. So this is the introduction, inshallah, and next week we will, of course, begin with Al-Ismul A'zam, the divine name, the supreme name, Allah. And after that we go to the other names.
So just before I close, just one small comment about this. The order of the 99 names comes from two places. The first place is from in Surah Al-Hashar. In Surah Al-Hashar, at the, the last page, Allah mentions that he mentions certain names. He mentions his name Allah, and then he mentions Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Then he mentions Al-Marik, Al-Quddus, Al-Salam, Al-Mu'min, Al-Muhaymin, Al-Aziz, Al-Jabbar, Al-Mutakabbir, Al-Khaliq, Al-Bari, Al-Musawwir. And the end of the chapter ends with Aziz and Hakim, but in that set of verses where Allah is mentioning the names, it comes in that order. So we start with learning the names in that order mentioned in Surah Al-Hashr. After those names, we follow the order found in the hadith recorded by Ibn Majah and others. And there is a difference of opinion among the hadith scholars about the authenticity of that hadith. Because the hadith mentions, to Allah belongs 99 names, whoever enumerates them will enter paradise, and he is Allah, الذي لا إله إلا هو الرحمن الرحيم الملك القدوس السلام المؤمن المهيمن العزيز الجبار المتكبر الخالق الباري المصور and then from there to the end is a very particular order there's a difference of opinion among the muhaddithun about the authenticity of that hadith and there are different riwayat that give us different orders and in some of the riwayat there are certain names mentioned that are not mentioned in other riwayat. So we just rely on the main, the most common riwayat of that hadith for our order, while recognizing that there is a difference of opinion about the authenticity of it. That's not really a concern for us. We follow the order because it's just tried and true, and that's how the scholars typically present it. Not all, but most of them present it in that order. So that's how we'll proceed, bi'ithnillahi ta'ala. والله ورسوله أعلم صلى الله وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم. So if there's any questions, you can open the floor. Yes. السلام. أمم. All of Allah's names are the most beautiful names, but when we get to the individual names like Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim, we will, as we explore their meanings in Arabic, look at the best possible translations. When you read the translation of Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim in the various translations of the Quran, you find all sorts of translations. You find, as, as you mentioned, uh, most compassionate, most merciful. And the name, the name in Arabic does not come as a superlative noun. So it wouldn't, that would not be a, a literal translation. That would be a translation of a meaning. So as we get to each of those names, we'll look at what they could mean and how they're best translated. And you tend to find that they can be translated in multiple ways because they have different shades of meaning. Yeah.
Right. Right. It's like the name Al-Qahar is only is never mentioned by itself. It's always mentioned along with uh, Al-Wahid. Al-Wahid Al-Qahar. So this is one of the aspects of tafsir where you you look at the meanings of those names, why they're paired, and what is the secret of that those two names mentioned in connection to what Allah mentions before them. All right. It, and it's, a, it's a beautiful exploration because you get to see what we're talking about with regards to the manifestation of the, the effects of the divine names. Why those names? And we'll look at some examples of those. And as we go through, we're not going to just go to each class, oh, here's a name, here's what it means. No. There are certain areas of research, certain mabahith that we'll be looking at from time to time, such as the categorization of the names. Because when you look at all of the 99 names, you can group them into categories based on their meanings. Names of Jamal, names of Jalal, that's one. Uh, you have other categorizations. So a part of that is the pairing of certain names, why certain names tend to be repeated all the time in the Quran. Aziz and Hakim, for example. Um, Sami'un Basir is another one. Alimun Hakim. Alimun, what's that? Ghafurun Rahim, right? Latifun Kabir, yeah. So there's, there's a connection between those two in relation to what's being said. We'll look at some of those, inshallah. Once we've covered enough names to where we can begin to pair, we'll be looking at some of those, inshallah. Fair? So, see you next week. <laughs>